That is our calling, is to live like kings. And the duty of a king is to maintain justice for everyone in the kingdom. Hello, friends, and welcome. Thanks for listening. This is my very first inaugural podcast from the great state of Texas. This is my first time to record a podcast in the Lone Star State. Uh, Most of you listening know because uh, most of my audience is my mom and dad, and I don't think dad listens that often. But most people listening probably know that we moved to Texas uh, this past week, and so this is the first time I've gotten to sit down and record a podcast, and I'm really excited to be here. We're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, And maybe at some point in the future, uh, I'll share a little bit about our story and how we ended up here and and what God is doing. But today, I want to talk about what it means to live like a king. And I want to exhort you to live like a king. You know, if you ask most people, hey, do you want to live like a king? Most people will be like, yes, absolutely. I definitely want to live like a king. Because what they're thinking about is a lavish lifestyle where I can buy anything I want and I can command people to do what I want them to do and everybody has to do what I say. So most people, when you talk about living like a king, they are very interested in that because they're focused entirely on a desire to fulfill their own lusts rather than a desire to serve other people. And people are really interested in learning how I can live like a king. You know, how can I use God to serve my own purposes when you've got this worldly mindset of what it means to live like a king? It, then God becomes a means to an end, like it talks about in First Timothy uh, chapter 6. It talks about that these false teachers, they imagine that godliness is a means of gain. But I want to talk about living like a king in the kingdom of God, because the world's idea of living like a king is about fulfilling the desires of the king and that the the king uh, thinks that the subjects are all there for his benefit. Whereas living like a king in the kingdom of God, according to the example that we receive from Jesus, Jesus comes to serve. Jesus comes, the king is there for the benefit of the subjects not the other way around. Listen to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And you remember in John chapter 13 where Jesus has washed the feet of his disciples and he says, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And Jesus in John chapter 10 said that I lay down my life for the sheep. So in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus, the greatest king of all, the creator of heaven and earth, the maker of everything, the one who sustains everything by the power of his word, the one who saves us, he comes and he lays down his life for us. He comes not to be served. He comes to serve us. 
And Philippians says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Paul's exhorting us in in Philippians that we should have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. This is what it means to live as the royal family of God on the earth. We are the church. We are the royal family of God administrating his government on the earth. We get to live like kings. That is our calling, is to live like kings. And the duty of a king is to maintain justice for everyone in the kingdom. Now, if you listen to my previous podcast, it talked about holiness as the pursuit of justice, that the greatest injustice in the world, the two greatest injustices in the world are, number one, that we don't spend every moment of every day adoring and giving thanks to God because our very existence is a gift from him. And number two, uh, that the devil rules over humanity, that humanity is under the oppression of the devil. These are the greatest injustices. And in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is coming to the earth. So the kingdom of God is not heaven. We've talked about that a lot. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. Wherever Jesus reigns, there the kingdom of God is. And the kingdom of God is slowly, 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 over centuries and centuries, it is slowly filling the earth. And without getting into too much detail right here, I believe this is why it's really important to consider carefully our eschatology, because that affects how we live today. So eschatology is the study of the end times. So if you haven't listened to the podcasts that are about the end of the world, where I go through Matthew 24, 25, and Revelation, I would encourage you to go check those out and to perhaps Uh, challenge the traditional framework that we interpret those scriptures and consider a different point of view that fits with the narrative of a kingdom filling the whole earth, the narrative of scripture that we see from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation chapter 22. But anyway, I, I digress. My point, my exhortation to us today is to live like kings. But the duty of a king is to maintain justice for everyone in his kingdom. Listen to Proverbs chapter 31, beginning in verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed, and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing, and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more." Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So this is an exhortation to the king. This is to remind the king, your duty is to defend the rights of the destitute. Your duty is to defend the rights of the poor and needy. Listen to Psalm 140, verse 12. It says, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and will execute justice for the needy. The duty of the king is to execute the Lord's justice. And the Lord's concern was always for equity among his people, regardless of rich or poor or anyone's status. 
Because if you secure the rights of the poorest, weakest person in the kingdom, you secure the rights of everyone in the kingdom. And so God gives great wisdom in the uh, administration of his kingdom when it was being administrated through the nation of Israel. And that same wisdom applies to us today, even as Gentiles have been grafted into Israel. That our role on the earth as God's royal family is not simply to get together and sing some songs and uh, study the Bible, though of course I love singing songs and I love studying the Bible, that's all good. But our true role as the royal family of God is to administrate the royal kingdom of God. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the tradition of our church meetings. Now, in a royal family, if a royal family has a nice lifestyle, I don't think most people begrudge that. But it's when a royal family begins to think that all of the citizens and the subjects of the kingdom exist to sustain their lifestyle that I think that becomes a disgrace. And that is not what God has called us to. As kings in his kingdom, as sons of kings, we are to follow in his example in laying our lives down for others, not using others to somehow create the lifestyle we want, or worse, using Jesus like a genie in a bottle to give us the lust of our heart. You know, and Solomon, Solomon, David's son, was king during peacetime, and he oversaw a time of unprecedented prosperity in Israel. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 21, it says, All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. So Solomon brings such a level of prosperity to Israel that silver isn't even considered precious. It, it doesn't even have any value because the nation is so prosperous. Now Solomon himself had a very lavish lifestyle, which actually ended up pulling his heart away from the Lord, which is another good reason, another warning to us why uh, being a king is not about simply creating some kind of lifestyle for ourselves. But Solomon was not despised by the people. He was still a beloved king because he still secured the rights of the people in the kingdom. He still maintained justice for everyone in the kingdom. Now, the taxes had gotten so burdensome during Solomon's time that the people come to Solomon's son and say, could you please give us a break on these taxes? They're killing us. And Rehoboam, in contrast to Solomon, he consults with his buddies and they say, no, 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 tell him you're going to make it even worse. So Rehoboam comes back to these people and he says, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. And so Rehoboam begins to, you know, when when God comes to Solomon and asks him in the dream, what do you want? Solomon asks for wisdom so that I can rule this great people. So Solomon, at the beginning of his rule at least, he knew that his function was to serve the people. But in contrast, Rehoboam, at the beginning of his rule, it's already all about him. And he thinks the people exist to perpetuate his lifestyle and to serve him versus him being there to guard and protect and to serve the people. So my point is not to be critical of a certain standard of living or a certain lifestyle. My point is the lifestyle of the king doesn't matter all that much if he's being faithful to execute his duties and take care of the people and maintain justice for the most oppressed in the kingdom. 
I don't think anyone resents a king who lives like a king when he's doing his royal duties. But there is a shameful kind of king who thinks that the purpose of his position is about his lifestyle rather than the purpose of his position is about serving others. And that is the life of a king that Christ calls us to, that we serve other people. Listen to Luke. This is Jesus talking. He says, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at the table, or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. So Jesus comes among us and gives us a new standard of leadership, a new standard of what it means to be royalty, that he is the king among us, and yet he is here to serve. Hebrews 5.8 says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And so I think the idea that we should live as royalty on the earth is not incorrect. I think people who teach that are right on, but sometimes perhaps the application is less right on, and that Uh, sometimes the way people hear that is, oh good, you know, I can use God and live like a king because God wants me to have whatever it is that I want, versus I can follow in the model of Jesus Christ and live like a king, laying my life down to serve other people and to see them come out of uh, satanic oppression, to see them come out of darkness and into God's light, to see them come out of the dominion of the devil and into the power of God. And so again, I'm not trying to take a stand against any standard of living or any certain kind of lifestyle. Of course, um, anyone who's growing up in America should take a moment to realize that we are indeed the wealthiest people who have ever been alive, and most of us live better than most kings of old even lived. So we've attained and achieved this extraordinary state of wealth and prosperity. And I think that's a good thing. I think it alleviates human suffering and it creates more opportunity for people to encounter the Lord. But I do think there's a call to be faithful to our stewardship of God's kingdom and of our position as sons in God's royal family and not to just pursue endless increases in our standard of living. Though God may add those as we go along. You know, God said, seek first my kingdom and everything else will be added to you. And I can certainly testify to that in my own life. And I know countless other people who would say that is 100% true. And God blesses us above and beyond everything that we could expect. You know, in Third John where he says, I desire that you may prosper even as your soul prospers. So I think God does not want us to live in poverty. And God wants us to walk in abundance. But abundance means having everything you need and more to do the task that God has called you to. I don't think a biblical concept of prosperity means that I use God as a genie in a bottle to buy whatever it is that I happen to want. So it's really an issue of the heart. You know, it's all about what your focus is. Is it about, I'm desiring to execute my duty as a royal son and to serve the kingdom purposes, or is it about, I'm trying to use God to uh, get this certain lifestyle that I hope to attain. But my desire is to exhort you to live like a king in the model of Jesus, to live like a good king, and to know that this is what God has called you to, that God has given you the privilege and the right to be 
a son. And if you are a son, then you are an heir. And you are a co-heir with Christ. So everything that Jesus inherits, he has chosen to share with you. And that is awesome. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. We hear your tenderness In every star that glows In every cell that grows It's clear Your excellence God, your beauty